Coming up on today's episode, we break down a new jet signing, plus a look at a potential radical change to the NHL schedule. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right to it here. It's the dog days of July. Very little to talk about, but we found a way to make an episode out of it. We're going to pull it off. It'll be the only episode of the week. Uh, should let you know bit of a schedule change here um some personal issues arising that will make recording an episode on thursday impossible uh, but i think for this week and the next week as well uh running through the rest of july here we'll just go with one episode a week barring some kind of unforeseen big time shakeup by the winnipeg jets but i'm not getting my hopes up at this point uh maybe we can discuss that next week the fact that there is very likely to be no shakeup coming um from Winnipeg's side of things but either way we'll have one episode here and then another episode uh same time next week on tuesday morning as well uh with that brief house cleaning out of the way i'd like to welcome back cjob's tyson rewicki co-host of the podcast tyson how we doing today How's your Monday? How's the start of the week for you? Monday's been going good. So, you know, it's a Monday. It's as good as a Monday can be. That's fair. That's fair, (laughs) yeah. I've actually never minded Mondays all that much. Even back doing like 1290. Doing 1290, Monday was actually my second favorite day of the work week um, after Friday. But Monday was where like that, hey, we got all the magic happening. We got to break it all down here. Tuesday was my least favorite day actually um what can you just like run through everything on monday and then it's oh oh yeah I, I i i emptied the tank out on monday and then it's just like <laughs> oh my gosh we got four more days of this i can't do this anymore um <laughs> but uh that's gonna be an issue for me for the next little bit uh by the way uh for for those of you out there listening um with no 1290 in the picture anymore um uh, make sure to check out jets at noon over the next little bit uh tyson here I don't know if it was your debut necessarily today, but you are doing a little bit of double duty producing and now getting some on-air work in. Isn't that correct? Yeah, no, we had actually had a really good interview with one of the guys we're going to be talking about later today. He's Morgan Barron. He's he's a solid interview. He was, it wasn't you know like those typical hockey cliches. Just oh, gotta be gotta work better. Got gotta be better. He was actually there was some really insightful answers. It was. It was, a, it was a really good interview, and if you want to go check it out on the podcast, there's that too. Well, there you go. You should have just recorded it and sent it over here, and we would have been <laughs> up and out of here in a couple of minutes. Um, but yeah, Tyson will be on throughout the week, and then we'll make sure to, to give you a shout-out when you actually start doing some hosting duties. I mean, wow, it's you're like the, the big Brad Lambert of Winnipeg Sports Radio. This is exciting <laughs> stuff. Good job. We don't have a lot to get into in in this episode, as I think everybody knows. It's I feel like it's quieter. I don't know if it feels. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like recency bias, but it feels like this mid July has been way way quieter than any other NHL off season that I can remember. Like there's just like zero going on. The fact that 
Connor Bedard signing his ELC is like breaking news on NHL.com pretty much sums it up. Like, oh, wow, the first overall pick signed his contract. Big deal. Um, but we got a few things to get into here, including a bit of a fun topic that is uh, kind of been the, the major topic around NBA circles right now. And we'll see if the NHL tries to follow suit here. Spoiler alert, they absolutely will not. But we'll get into whether or not it could potentially be something that might be of interest to fans at the very least. Something that they can complain about uh, maybe a couple years down the road. But before we get into the uh, one big Jets news of the day, it's trivia time to start off the episode. And we got a Jets theme trivia segment here, Tice. Yeah, we're going to keep it nice and simple. And all you got to do is you got to name the guy who was picked immediately after a Jets draft selection in the first round. I'm going to say, please, God, please. (laughs) Yeah. We're not going to do six round picks and try try and figure out who got picked there and just throw a couple no names. But there's some interesting names that were taken after after the Jets made a selection. So we'll, we'll start off going all the way back to 2012, the Jets' second draft. So not even, not even the Shifley draft. Nope. I feel like the Shifley one was a little more obvious. But I think I, I think Jets, I know that one. Yeah, no, no, no kidding. <laughs> but the Jets took Jacob Truba ninth overall in the 2012 NHL draft. Do you know who went at number ten? And I'm not gonna get the team right. You're just gonna if if you're struggling, then yeah, I'll, I'll give you the team. I'm, I might need the team on the first one. The worst part is I know who went just after because that was when that was Philip Forsberg's bizarre free fall. Yeah. And I, I think he went two picks after the Jets, two or three picks after the Jets to Washington, right? Yeah. Um, that, I always forget that he got drafted by Washington and then they made one of the worst trades of just, all yeah, time. I, I, I would put it that like I, I feel like it doesn't get enough negativity. Like it's like a hole for Larson and like a bunch of the other stuff. But it was just it, it was so incomprehensibly short sighted. I, I feel like it needs to get a lot more hate about being one of the worst trades in history. Uh, so no, give me give me the team after Winnipeg in 2012. Tampa Bay Lightning. Oh yeah, because this was the defenseman draft. That was, um, and this would be a great Puck Doku pick, by the way, if you could make it happen. But as well as a spelling bee in the NHL. But that would be Slater Cuckoo, right? <laughs> that is correct. And if ah. you are a Puck Doku fan, he did also play for Chicago and Edmonton. Okay, big. <laughs> That's huge to know. Lock that in. <laughs> so we'll move on to... I was looking up Slater Cuckoo's Wikipedia, and now I'm, now I'm at a loss. Yeah, yeah let's pick up the pace here, Tyson. All right, so in 2014, number ninth overall again. The Jets have had some pretty decent success picking at nine. But the Jets took Nikolai Ehlers. Once at again, at number, yes. Uh, Once again, at number be, 10. Would it be Nick Ritchie to Anaheim? That is correct. Yeah. Nick Ritchie and then Kevin Fiala right after that. Whoever is sandwiched in between a Jet and another team at number nine, you're getting a bust and then the team... <laughs> After Whoever getting out of the Jets just just struggles. <laughs> that was actually a part of the the Bobby Ryan trade. What a oh. weird! That's a weird trade all all together. Interesting. So, lastly, 
Don't worry. Gonna, Dead Silence gonna, is great. Dead Silence gonna, is great for Radio Tyson. We're, we're going to make this one a little tougher. Okay. So in the 2016 draft, the Winnipeg Jets traded up to take Logan Stanley at number 18. Ugh. Who went number 19? I know they traded up with Philly, and Philly took your boy, Yerman Rupsov, but I don't that think was he so was at 19. I was so excited about that pick. Um, Oh, boy. No, I'll, I'll need the team for that one. I'm not going to play games. New York Islanders. New York Islanders, 2016. Kiefer Bellows? <laughs> yeah, Kiefer Bellows. Oh, yeah. An, an all-star. All-time junior shot. All-time kind of loser in the NHL. <laughs> hey, he played. He played a lot more games than you did, Tyson. So uh, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's true. But that's all relative. That's all relative. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Tell yourself that. Awesome. All right. Not bad. No, I, I did a little bit better than I thought I would. I mean, I guess getting the teams is a little bit of a, a cheat code there, but uh, it's a pretty good work by me. Not too bad. All right. Well, let's uh, move on to some actual Jets news here, and we got one. And you mentioned it, kind of spoiled it a little bit earlier, having a conversation with Morgan Barron, and he is going to be in the fold here at Winnipeg for at least two more years. Nice $1.4 million deal. No, I don't think any complaints from anybody on this one. He is going to be pretty much, I, I don't know, a folk hero in Winnipeg, right? With with what happened in, in uh, the Vegas series and finding a way to come back, missing about... He, he missed less minutes than stitches he got in the face, which I think is, is pretty pretty unbelievable there. Um, but a lot of people high that he might be more than what he's been so far here in Winnipeg. I'm not going to say what do you think of the deal because it's it's what these guys get. He, there was going to be very little um, wiggle room in terms of negotiating. But what, what what should we expect out of Morgan Barron this year? Like what what's – I don't know. I, I, I wonder what his role is going to be with the team. If it's going to be – like, do, do you think he's just a depth guy, or can he be something more? Well, I think he can be something more, but the problem with the Jets right now is that they have such a, just like kind of on the left side on defense, they have the a pretty big log jam of just bottom six guys in their lineup, really. Like, you look at the addition of Alex Iafalo, and you, you move Adam Lowry, like you have Adam Lowry down the middle there, and you're probably looking at moving down a guy like Mason Appleton out of the top nine, down to the fourth line. And then if you're rolling with Morgan Barron and Mason Appleton on your four, as your fourth line wingers, it only leaves one spot, and it, that seems like David Gustafson's at that point. If you're if you're looking for a center, right? Like it's there's sort of some some slim pickings there, and I think that. Morgan and obviously there's going to be injuries and that's where Morgan Barron could have a chance to to bump up the lineup and actually get a chance to to showcase some of his abilities. I think he's got a really he's got a really good shot and it's it's just about getting the shot off and he had mentioned that there was times where he felt like he should have been scoring more goals but he just wasn't quite getting that puck cluck. So maybe if he gets a just a little bit more puck cluck, maybe we see 15 goals instead of 8 this past season and I think that would that would be a welcome surprise for the Jets if Morgan Barron can score 15 goals in, in the role that I'm expecting him to be in. But at one point, it's nice to have a bunch of bodies that are capable of playing at the NHL level. And then in another sense, it's kind of a hindrance too, right? Like, you look at a guy like Axel Janssen-Fialbi. He's probably not going to be in the lineup for a lot of the season. 
next this next season, really. And I think that's kind of a shame because I'm a huge fan of him. And so it's just going to be really there's a lot there's going to be a lot of camp battles in the bottom six at training camp. And it's gonna yeah, be see how it unfolds. I mean, the good news is, and I don't know how. I mean, the only comparison would be the the run to the Western Final, but this was the, that. I mean, that would have been trade deadline aided. But this is going to be the best fourth line the Jets have had going back to that season. And it might be the best fourth line they've ever started the season with, right? Who, whoever it's going to end up being here. I mean, there, there, there are questions with this forward group, but with how many guys they've got now, um, you know, on top of it, like, I mean, you're basically, you picked up two for Dubois and Nemestikov and Wheeler canceled each other out there. Like there's, the Jets can't really add a forward right now. If anything, they might need to subtract one or two. But, you know, as it stands right now, depending on how things get flipped around, I mean, there, there's a chance. I mean, Cap Friendly has their fourth line right now as Rasmus Kupari, centering Vladislav Nemesnikov, and Morgan Barron. I don't know how many fourth lines are going to be better than that one, right? Yeah. And I, I wonder if Barron can ever be more than a fourth liner. You know, I think as it stands right now, if he's on your fourth line, you feel damn good about that being one of the better ones in the NHL. But but can he be can he be somebody that plays the the Tanev, the Armia, Appleton that one year? Can he play a nice supporting role on a third line? That's that's I think ultimately gonna be where we see Morgan Barron top out at at the NHL level. I I think he can. I think he just needs a little bit of opportunity. Um, I, th- I think if you put, and I mean, maybe it's having Nemesnikov there, maybe Ayafalo, but I wouldn't mind on the right side, flip-flopping Appleton and Morgan Barron, and then injecting a little bit of skill and speed beside Adam Lowry there on the left side. I think that might be, that might be something worth visiting come, come training camp time. Um, and it's wild because I, you know, when the Jets brought back Mason Appleton, I thought, hey, you picked up your third line right winger for the future there. We don't have to worry about that ever again. But he hasn't really been able to recapture the form that he had that one season with Winnipeg. And I think, I don't know, at this point, I think their games are pretty even. But there's just way, way more upside with with Morgan Barron as opposed to to Mason Appleton at that point. And I, I, wouldn't, mind, I wouldn't mind seeing Barron get a shot there. But you're right, Tice, in the sense that the, the battle's going to be pretty intense. Like, whoever... I don't know who's going to be penciled in to start on that third line, but the competition is going to be fierce. And whoever ends up winning that battle is going to have one hell of a preseason run. Yeah. Do you want to hear something interesting, too, about Morgan Barron? Yes. So he had in 70 games this past season, he had eight goals, actually. I, I believe I had said nine earlier, but he had eight goals this past season in 70 games. Andrew Kopp only had nine goals. In 82 games. <laughs> I, mean, I you did talk not know that. Trades that keep on giving. I mean, right now you're looking at Morgan Barron, arguably your top prospect in Brad Lambert, and your best defensive prospect in Elias Salmonson. Like, what a haul yeah, that crazy. You, you end up getting for Andrew Kopp, a guy who, who didn't even last more than half a season with the Rangers. Like, that's crazy. So, like, A, a plus for Chevy there. That's already even like even if they like, could kind of plateaus here like that's still a win for the jets and 
those are the kind of trades you need to win, right? Like that's how you, the Jets are going to build a successful team moving forward. And yeah, it's just I'm really interested to see if the Jets end up losing someone on waivers like they did with Kova Savage, but not up front this year. I think that's a, a very likely possibility. Oh, I am. I mean, there, there's going to be a good player on waivers. I, I don't know if they'll lose him or not, but like they're going to. I mean, as as it stands right now, if if this is their forward lineup, and it uh, depends with the damn defense too, because if they go with the same defense they have right now, they're they're probably going to have to carry eight D men on the roster, because it's just. I mean, it would be malpractice to lose a chis. It would be malpractice to lose anybody that they have right now, because they should be able to trade them for for a mid-round pick at the very least. So if you only have, or if you're going with eight defensemen on the roster, you can only carry one extra forward. And right now that would be between Janssen Fialbi and, and David Gustafson. That doesn't include Jansen Harkins, um, Toninato as well. Like, I mean, those are NHL fourth line forwards. It's not going to break your organization, but yeah, the Jets are probably going to put, they're going to put somebody on waivers that can help a team. And it might even be a decent team, not, not even a bottom dweller there. So Interesting times in Winnipeg, Tice. It used to be forever, where it was just, just God, please, just give us a fourth line that can, <laughs> that can score once every five, ten games, right? Like that, that used to be the dream was just have somebody do that. Um, that's not the issue now. Now it's going to be, do we have enough high end talent here with the uh, departures of Dubois and, and with Blake Wheeler's um, descent into elderly age, being like 36, 37, however old he is there. Uh, it's, it's yeah an interesting little flip flop as to uh, what the potential concerns and strengths might be with this Jets forward core, but we will see. I mean, things can change very quickly if a one major move is made up front, and uh, yeah, then we've got a whole bunch of different problems on our hands. So we'll <laughs> see where things are by the time we get to training camp in about a month and a half or so. Um, so wow, we 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 got about a good five minutes on Morgan Barron there. That's that's some pretty good stuff. Uh, let's wrap up the episode with um, one more overarching NHL question, Tyson. And I was intrigued by this because there's been a little bit of debate and conversation around the NBA adopting a change to their schedule, which I believe takes place this season, right? So yeah. it's either, is it this season? Yeah. I, we, we so. I think so, too. We'll say it's this season, if not next season. But I'm really, really fascinated as to how this is going to play out in the nba um and i wonder if it might not be the best way to go about this in the nhl so i'm interested to get what your take is on this so for those that are unaware the nba has been talking about this for a few years and it appears like they will finally get this underway this upcoming season and what it is it's a mid-season tournament and I want to find out exact the, the exact details here because it, it would be intriguing if the NHL would just adopt the exact same thing as the NBA or if they would do something a little bit different. Um, but essentially what happens is, oh, here it is. Perfect, perfect. Groups of five. will So a new in-season tournament, teams in groups of five will play one another on specific nights beginning November 3rd through to the 28th, eight teams advance to the knockout rounds, and then semis and the championship are played in Las Vegas. So, I don't know how you feel about this in the NBA, Tyson, um, but I feel like the NBA and the NHL are very similar in the sense that, 
I mean, the regular season is a grind, and it's always going to be a grind when you play 82 games, let alone the 162 in an MLB. But it does feel like there's certain segments of the season that it's just like, oh, God. <laughs> like, I, I love watching hockey, but sometimes it's just like, oh, no, please, no more, no more, no more. And especially with the way the NHL is nowadays, like, you kind of get the the differentiator and the separation between the playoff teams and the non-playoff teams pretty quickly. So you do wonder if, you know, there was only 60 games, would it be the same relatively same playoff feel as opposed to an 82 games. But then you have the mid-season, in-season tournament thrown in. Are you a fan of this? W- would you be okay if the NHL adopted this and, say, turned it into a 62-game regular season and had some formation similar to the NBA's in-season tournament? Or for well, those that are fans of overseas matchups, um, the similar way that the Premier League, for example, does the FA Cup while the season is going on, and the FA Cup doesn't actually count to the actual regular season totals that accrue over the course of the year. How, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is true. I believe the games in the NBA in-season tournament count towards the regular season. So you're still playing 82, and if you make the final or the semifinal and final, you're playing an extra two regular season games. Right, right. That's correct, yeah. So if that's what we're talking about here, this is – and I could be way off base here with this, but who cares? Like, if the games are still the same, like, who cares if you put it underneath a tournament for a month and and the players get extra money – and the league gets extra revenue out of sponsorships for this tournament. Right? Like, I just, to me, it's like a no-brainer. Even even if, and there, I, I've seen a couple tweets and all and whatnot over the internet. And you just see, like, well, I like, like, I like watching games in January. To me, it doesn't matter. You still get to watch the games in January. Like, it's, it's the season doesn't really change that much. You're just adding more revenue and the players are getting more money. That's all like, and that's what the NBA does. They do, they try new ideas to increase their brand to, you know, send some olive branches out to some other companies and see if they'd be interested. And you're just accumulating more money for your league to make a better product. Like to me, it's a no brainer, but I like to hear what you think. Cause yeah, like to me, it's just who cares? So that's interesting. I, I kind of messed that up. I see. I, I thought it was, I thought the regular season was being shortened by X amount of games and the in-season tournament would just kind of take place of that. But it's, it's, you know, the same amount of games, the same schedule. It's just the format and the location kind of changes and maybe the stakes to, to some degree here. Right. Right. Ah. So what, what would be the, what would be the negative in this? I, that's what I'm saying. I guess There's that's like, my question, right? Like it's, <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think why people would be so anti in season tournament then, because in theory, the games still matter, right? Like they still matter the same. I imagine that, I mean, it wouldn't be any different than, you know, a team being in a good division or a team being in a bad division. Like, I guess that's just kind of the, the luck of the draw in terms of, of who you face in the in season tournament. What I like about, you know, the Premier League and how they go about it. And, I, and I, I don't know all the other, you know, European soccer leagues, what they do in season as far as their, I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of other ones. 
but the FA Cup is a you know it's a I mean a pretty historical trophy. It's been around forever. But what's nice too is that it gives you, especially depending on where your team is in their contending stage, it gives you a chance to be like a, a different reason to cheer, right? You know, the, the yeah. I don't know if it necessarily would apply to the Jets, but let's just say you're a team that's comfortably in the bottom ten of the the regular season standings. It gives you a ch- reason to cheer, right? Like it gives yeah. you a ch- like you have an opportunity to to, to enjoy a tournament. And, and maybe you bring home a trophy, right? And and it becomes a new tradition in hockey. Um, I, I I'm just I'm I'm really struggling to figure out why why people would be against it. I know that's what I, I don't understand. And even if you really wanted to up the ante, I think you also switch to one versus sixteen, and that's the new playoff format. You have the in season tournament, and then that in season tournament can you know start to you switch up the divisions a little bit. But you could even do an all Canada division for a week. Oh, not and this then, again. No, okay, no, I'm the, not on that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, no, you know no, what I mean? Like, no more, no more. You let these teams that don't normally play each other play in games that have a little bit more higher stakes, and all of a sudden you start to see more rival rivalries start to naturally. I guess not naturally; it's a little bit artificially, but you start to see these rivalries kind of come together. Like they, it's just I don't see what. To, the possible con is besides maybe travel. But even then, if it's the same regular season and you're just playing two extra games at a neutral site, like, and, and, and playing those two games, you as a player could get an extra in the NBA, you get an extra 500 grand. Like uh, you're telling me those, some of those guys aren't going to play a little bit harder knowing that they could get half a million dollars in their bank accounts in the middle of the season on top of their well, contract. And, like, and so and th- now that that's something that I, I did see people mention in terms of like why NHL players wouldn't like it because I mean, when, when's the worst hockey we see it, it's when the players aren't motivated, right? Like the all-star game, you, you just, it, it can't be, it can't be a great watch because the players don't care. And if you can't get, get them to care, it's just, it's like the pro bowl, right? Like there's, <laughs> there, there's an element of a physical contact sport that just needs to have everybody invested in it. I think I think the money certainly helps. Um, I mean, doesn't help the guys making eight, nine, ten million dollars, maybe. But to me, what what negates that Tyson is the fact that it's it's still regular season games. Yeah, <laughs> like you can't you can't be like, oh, they don't care. They're not going to care. They're not going to be engaged and invested in it. Well, they should be because playoff seating is on the line, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like outside of the, I think the final four is the the two games that wouldn't count. To regular season standings there, but at that point, then you're you know battling to to win the championship, to win to win the trophy, right? So you would think the competitive juices kick in a little bit there. I think I think the main reason why people don't want it is because it's different. Yeah. Like it's it's there's always been an anti soccer sentiment specifically with hockey that I've I've noticed with a lot of fans where it's like oh we don't want to be like soccer so so just don't bring some of the stuff that they do over there over here. But I don't know. I I, I just I, I think it's a great idea, and I I think it's an op- you're right too. It's an opportunity for the NHL to make more money. Um, if they can eliminate the digital board ads, then I think it's <laughs> the ultimate win win for everybody. If they get a company to sponsor the tournament, um, but I, I yeah, what I really really like about it is just the fact that you know what, for a lot of teams and you know over half the league, they realistically don't have a shot at the Stanley Cup, but. Over the course of five or six games, yeah, you would have a shot at 
potentially winning whatever the trophy might be. I think it's I don't know. I, again, it's not going to be a replacement for the Stanley Cup or anything like that, but sometimes it's just nice to win one. As a Flyer <laughs> fan, I would just like to win something, right? So, and there's a lot of fan bases that I'm sure feel the exact same way as me. Well, and, and look at the NBA play-in games, too. I remember, like, and myself included, I thought it was going to be a terrible idea. Like, I thought it was so stupid letting a 10 seed have a chance of making the playoffs. Guess what? Those games those games rule. Every single game. Like, all those play-in games are fun. I, just... I, the, play-in, the play-in I might need some convincing on. I'm not, I don't, I'm, I'm, not a... I'm not saying for the NHL, per se. Like, I, would, I probably wouldn't do it for NHL, but for the NBA... You just see like star players have that, you know, like I got like hop on my back. I got this one game. We're going to the playoffs. Like I, I like that's there's cool storylines to follow throughout the season yeah. that way. And it's just the NBA does it right. Like whatever the NBA is doing for the most part, just copy them. That's <laughs> not a bad idea. That's what, that's what a lot of the great companies do. <laughs> oh, they're doing that. Well, let's do it too. Right. Like yeah. that. It's it's not a bad it's not a bad formula to follow there and I I I just it would be a nice little break in the middle of the season, right? Like maybe it's December January January might make the most sense. It's before the the deadline really kicks up and and things like that. But maybe that's a nice spot where it's just you you inject a little more excitement. I, I think that's all it is. Nobody's reinventing the wheel or anything like that. It's just say hey, let's get a little jolt of energy in here. And the other thing too is Tice. You know, I know teams do this in the FA Cup and the Premier League. The top teams do, at least. But if you're worried about somebody maybe overexerting themselves, that's a star player, well, you don't have to play them. <laughs> like, yeah. the big teams will put their their young guys, their bench, their prospects in, and they get a chance to strut their stuff that they wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And there's, so there's the opportunity for teams to do that, too, where, you know, if you want to... If you want to save a little bit of energy for some of your big dogs, you can go ahead and give the young guys a bit of a shine. And then, again, I think the fan bases would be excited for that. Although, again, it's, you know, regular season points matter here, so I don't know if teams would necessarily want to go down that route. But I'm intrigued by it. I, I, I'll i be shocked if it happens within the next five years, beyond shocked. I don't see Batman even sniffing something like this when they uh, are struggling to get the, the cap to rise. While every other cap in pro sports is going through the roof, but it would be cool. I, I would I would like to know a poll. What a poll would be for NHL fans, yay or nay on the in season tournament? I I like I, I imagine I think more people would be for it, but I'm just I, what really intrigues me more than anything is just why you would be against it. I would love well, to I, know. Like, I'm not even like upset or like angry at people. I, I'm just like curious why you would be against something like this. Um, you could let us know on Twitter, by the way, why an in-season tournament would or wouldn't work. But I, I really am Tyson struggling to find what what the negatives and the shortcomings of an in-season tournament like this would be. Well, and I think I'm going to catch some flack for this, but at least for Canadians, I'd say 80% of Canadian hockey fans watch a pretty much pointless tournament from boxing day to the middle of January or I mean Ooh. the first week of January. I, I mean, I'm just the, really right. Like, and people go crazy for it. And you know, like what, what's on, what's really on the line at the world juniors, a, a world junior trophy, right? National, like national pride. 
They potentially millions of dollars at stake. Maybe you tie that game. Maybe, maybe you tie some national elements into it, right? Like this is it's we're thinking about this. It's also like the NHL's job to 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 grow the game and figure things out on their own, right? Like it's just maybe like experiment, try some new things instead of just oh, our fan surveys say that the digital boards are the best thing that we've done. Like. Gary, I can't. I, I, can't, I still can't believe Bedman actually said that. Like with a straight face, like without laughing. That I, that that just boggles my mind. I mean, like they they need to figure out how to get best on best international figured out. Whether it's a World Cup or an Olympics, like I would rather have that than the in season tournament. You know, ten times out of ten. But in a perfect world, why not have both? You can make both happen. I don't think it would be all that difficult. There's 32 teams now in the NHL. Couldn't you do four groups of eight? Something like that. I, I don't know. Or don't know. with adding the bye week, turn all-star break into international. And you just, instead of like an all-star game with just the divisions, have a skills competition, have a, not, the country versus country, have a oh, round robin. I don't want that. We they, they already we already did Europe versus North America. I No, 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 no. That, that to me is just an excuse to not put effort into a best on best tournament. Well, it's still I, best I, on best though. No, you, but it's not the same. Like it, it has to. Not, it has to be. A, you have to do either a World Cup or the Olympics, maybe even both. But you have to, at the very least, do a World Cup tournament outside of the NHL season. Like it, it just it has to happen, and it's criminal how. You know, McDavid Crosby haven't played together. We haven't had McDavid Eichel go together. I mean, the U.S. I don't even know what the last time, like Canada, U.S. should that that should be like the marquee moment of the the hockey season outside of the Stanley Cup. We haven't had that in forever. It's crazy. But let us know what Sweden, you think. Sweden, Finland, too. Like it's always Come battles. On. Come on, just give give the people what they want, Gary. Make it happen. But that's where we'll cap off the episode here. Talking in-season tournaments and best on best. I mean, imagine right now too, Tyson, with how little's going on in in the hockey world, having that to look forward to. Uh, Maybe not the in-season tournament, obviously, but having best on best. Uh, So let's make that happen, Gary. Let's get that cap up to 100 mil and let's get Canada, USA, best of seven in early August to get the people going. What about Um, Summit Series? (laughs) Oh, yes. I I love, yeah, sign me (laughs) up. Oh, yeah. Don't even know how that's possible. Sign me up. Um, we'll see if we can, uh, maybe unveil a few different potential scenarios for the NHL to get into when we get into our episode next week. Uh, but that'll do it for us for the week this week. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of skates and plates on the hockey podcast network. I'm your host, Brandon Rowicki, CJOB's Tyson Rowicki here with us once again. Uh, like I said, final episode of the week, but we'll get back at it next week, Tuesday morning. Until then, have a great, awesome, safe, and happy week, everybody. And we'll talk to you then. Peace.